Hey friends, welcome back to Sober Curious Adventures. Today is November 20th, 2023, and we are 20 days in. How are you, Cousin Lala? I'm doing well. Uh, 20 days in, I feel great. Still going to the gym. Uh, you still doing your treadmill routine? I am. And I have signed up for a 10K. Yep. Well, when does the 10K take place? Oh, it's in February. I believe it's February. It's for the Houston Rodeo. So I can... It's not time, though. I should have signed up for the timed, but... Not gonna lie, I've been slacking. Well, this week I slacked on working out. Or this weekend. I've just been really busy with the holidays. So wait, how how far is 10K in miles? I believe it's three miles. That's not even half. That's like a quarter. Not even a quarter marathon. But we're getting there. Three, 10K, yeah. 10K or 5K. You know what? It's one of those. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, I do have a small update. I stopped taking Zin. Those little tobacco-free pouches. Albeit, I would only take like you know two a week before the podcast because i felt like got the juices flowing but yeah i just don't uh i don't like it. it's not for me got me lightheaded a little um really no euphoria honestly just uh lightheaded and kind of a little bit upset upset stomach and uh yeah kind of cloudy mind i didn't like it Ooh, an upset body you might as well just smoke cigarettes. Man, Thanksgiving has me stressed. I can't even think. But I'm excited to have you here on Thursday. Yeah, it's going to be a lot more people than just me. Uh, we have family, extended family, um, a lot of last minute guests, you know, got you stressed out a little bit. But I mean, that's part of it. It's part of hosting a party. I'm super stressed out. I think you saw that earlier when you when you first stopped by. But that does come with hosting. Speaking of hosting, you guys need to follow RSVPs. <laughs> I think that's what has me really stressed out right now. I mean, I, I like hosting, but I also like RSVPs. Just to get like a head count. No shade. All the shade. There's a lot of pauses in this one. It's okay. I don't think we have to be too conscious about the pauses. Uh, it's natural. But for our international listeners, Thanksgiving is an exclusive American holiday wherein we gather all of our family and we eat a lot of food. Um, we don't really focus too much on the historical context, more so just the holiday gathering aspect of it um speaking of which we have um, like you said more guests coming than you expected how you how are you dealing with that last minute just by you mentioning that that made my anxiety just go straight out my head i'm excited though like this is probably one of the least planned out thanksgivings because of so much impromptu whatever is happening Oh, I'm excited to see our family. Like, we're all grown up now. There are no, there's only what, maybe three babies in our family? 
but that's because we're lacking. Like our <laughs> our generation, we lacked on the baby making. Like fuck that. We can be dinks. Live a good life. Man, I'm just like really anxious about hosting. I can't stop thinking about it. I've been cleaning my house for two weeks. That's ridiculous. Like, okay, maybe two weeks is an exaggeration, but like it feels like two weeks. So many people are going to be here. Speaking of which, should I make you guys wear shoes or no shoes? Definitely, I'd say no shoes. I'd say no shoes just to have that just awkward experience of walking in and having to take off your shoes and and put it next to other people's shoes because like we're not all asian anymore we are an interracial family Ooh, you know what i think i'm gonna traumatize them hell yeah you're gonna take their shoes off no shoes at all but i oh do i want to mention i'm gonna mention i didn't shampoo my carpets yeah whatever it is what it is oh man see this is that anxiety i'm talking about like when i think of family parties i think of fun and i just want to host that era like 90s asian interpretation of thanksgiving parties oh my gosh those are the best like three-day parties yeah um, so she's referring to these epic parties we'd have back in the mid to late 90s and i think it's it's relevant to bring up that era because i mean there were a lot of kids you know our parents were pumping out kids as opposed to now um and it's not just our family it's i think the whole world in general is just experiencing a population decline um but not to get off topic i'd like to bring it back to depopulation but how is your I don't think you gave us an update. How's your sober November going? Are you still sober, cousin? Oh, I didn't. I didn't update us. I am still sober. But I'm thinking of drinking on Thanksgiving. And I think that's okay. Because honestly, I just didn't want to smoke. <clears throat> oh, there's something weird going on with my voice. When I get anxious, that happens. But yeah, I think I'm going to drink on Thanksgiving. I'm going to ask you if, if, are you going to encourage that? Are you receptive to that? I feel like this was, um, sober November was almost specifically marijuana because that's what we were abusing. But I mean, I could definitely overlook alcohol. Um, I don't think that's a big deal. It's you know, gonna be, it's going to be so stressful. We're going to see people that we haven't seen in a, in a minute. And I'm excited because in my head, they're my special guest. And I'm really, okay, you guys, I'm I'm very excited about this Thanksgiving. It's going to be like a mini family reunion. We're all adults now. And that blows my mind. Like, we're, we are the generation. Like, our family's going to start dying off. Like, in our private conversations, we talked about that. So... <laughs> Sorry, I had I blew Aaron to the mic. But yeah, this this is so exciting. I'm excited. My anxiety is probably not as much as my excitement excitement. Speaking of Thanksgiving, are you gonna help me prep? I have so much lumpia to roll. Uh in all honesty, probably not. 
but uh, I will be here for moral support. Uh, you do, you do bring up a a great point though. Um, honestly, this whole you, you kind of touched on a big topic about like we're the generation taking over. We're all adults now, and how all of the elders are going to die off slowly. Um, I, I mean that's a that's an unavoidable fact. How do you feel about our aging family with no kids? Feels like Thanksgiving. <laughs> we are honoring Thanksgiving by not having kids. <laughs> like all we need to do is just give them smallpox, and it'll be you know correct. Oh, I did want to talk about my Christmas tree. That's like way off topic. No, I want to. I don't know if you heard me talking about this. I want a biblically accurate Christmas tree. Christmas tree angel. Well, the whole tree is going to be the angel. I don't know if you've seen that, but okay, that's way off topic. We're going to probably going to edit that out. So generational, the generationalness of our family. I feel like I'm lacking, but I'm okay with it. I'm really just worried about the size of my Thanksgiving pans. <laughs> yeah, you showed them to me earlier. They're um, those disposable or slash reusable aluminum style pans. They're a little thin. Um, I was uh, expecting deeper pans. And I was uh, talking to Tina about the the smaller pans hold the heat for less time, I guess. They have uh, less thermal mass. So the food's probably gonna get cold faster. Oh, but I have the I have my buffet shapers. I'm just worried about the food. That's true. Yeah, it's the food I'm worried about. Because going back about like our childhood and thinking of the abundance of food, I need there to be leftovers. That's how I know my party is successful when I have leftovers. Is that weird? No, that's not. I don't think that's weird. Like, there's going to be so many of us, and I lit- you literally saw me panicking and redoing the, the food count. Because it's like, I want everyone to be full, be in a food coma, and just be happy, and then not see me again for a whole year. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good measure of success, that everybody has leftovers to take home. Um, I mean, truly, you our old parties in the nineties, you mean every every family takes home a good deal of leftovers? I mean, how would you feel if Yeah, how would you feel if there was just enough food to where, you know, the party ended and nobody could take home anything? Would, uh, would that be a failure in your eyes? Yes and no. I would be okay with that. Like if you guys left full and happy with nothing to bring home, I I feel like I would be okay with that. Because sometimes I feel a lot of pressure for no reason. Or I just feel a lot of pressure because I think of our old style of living and how our family, you know, raised us. Like how we were very, we're a very close-knit family, I will say that. But there are some things about our family, like lifestyle, that I just don't want to, I don't want to bring it to the future anymore. I don't know if, you know, like holidays bring that out in people. And when I think of our family, I'm like, oof, I kind of don't want to continue some traditions. And yeah, I mean, it's going to hurt some people's feelings, but 
I don't feel like we can keep living like immigrants. Because what was the point of coming to America if we keep doing that? Like, yeah, we're going to retain our culture, but I do mention this a lot. I want to get rid of that, you know. I guess it would be generational trauma. Yeah, so generational trauma. Um, some people call it generational curses. Do you do you personally make a distinction between them, or do you, do you see them as the same curses and trauma? I think those are two different things, because... If you ask me if my if the family is cursed, yeah, I have a whole theory on that and no one ever wants to talk about that. But when we talk about generational trauma, like, I don't think it's the same thing because you have to give that to me. Like, you have to, you have to have a cycle and you have to give it to me. It's not like someone saying like, ooh, I'm going to abuse you so much you're going to end up like Matilda. <laughs> Like, do you, wait, you know that reference. Yeah. Um, film came out in the uh, late 90s, directed, written by Danny DeVito. I mean, most definitely. It's, uh, it's one of the best best movies. Cake-eating cake scene, the chocolate cake. Um, telekinesis, all that stuff. <laughs> Someone in our family is going to have telekinesis. <laughs> Or someone, one of us does. <laughs> Fucking Matilda. Golly. Yeah, I feel like because there are so few kids in this generation, we could, I mean, it's pretty obvious which kid is going to have telekinesis. <laughs> I love that kid so much. <laughs> I hope that child has telekinesis. But not really, because then that, we would have given it to her. And that would have, you know passed down generational trauma i think it's a hard thing to think about generational trauma like in an immigrant family because we're not supposed to think of those things we're not supposed to be traumatized because we came here or our parents came here and started new but not really i mean let's get let's dive into it what do you think specifically constitutes generational trauma in our family do you have any uh, examples? Oof. Like, just expecting to be a certain way. Expecting things to be the same over and over again. And, like, expecting people to forgive others when they're not ready. But I will say this. I mean, in a sense, it took me a long time to get over one thing. But I was a young adult when it happened to me and like it wasn't any essay or anything. It was just like forgiveness. The concept of forgiveness growing up in America is different than it is for our parents because you can do something like you can see them fight and they'll be mad for a while. Like I don't know if you remember that when we were growing up, like our elders would fight and then we wouldn't see each other for a few months and then when we would have another party it was okay so in a sense that would be kind of a generational trauma that I think about a lot because I still don't believe you should let or you should be forced into forgiving someone when you're not ready I mean that's a that's a really good point I don't know if you want to take it to uh, to remember the year we didn't talk to each other 
we could talk about that. Do you want to get into that? Let's uh, what do I, let's hear from your perspective because I, I I I remember that year, but a lot of the parts I forget. Oh, that it was kind of a hurtful year. I think we that year. Okay, the reason the reason why we stopped talking to each other was because of Colorado. And how we didn't go, how we weren't going. But at that time, I think you and I were going through big transitions. We were, I think we were both in college or we had both left college or something like that. And we were just steeping in our family life. Like we were just always at home. And there wasn't really like a commitment to doing anything else but going to work and then coming home. And then, you know, because we were gone for a while, like on our own, living our own lives, we were we were new, like accustomed to something new and then coming back with the family and readjusting. I think that part of our life was kind of hard and we kind of took it out on each other. Yeah, I mean, to preface this, it, it does have to do with cannabis a bit. So we were both of age and we planned out this trip to Denver. Um, obviously, yeah, it was to go smoke. Essentially, it was like a smoking trip. It was supposed to be, I guess in my mind, why I was, um, I guess, pretty upset about it is because I treated it like, you know, it was going to be this this huge smoking coming of age trip. And yeah, it just got canceled last minute. So that's why, that's why I kind of, that's why I got upset. But then um, honestly, the rest of the year was a blur because I believe I was, um, I think I was at the pharmacy at that time. Yeah, we were, we were working on ourselves. We were really working on ourselves that year. It was kind of a hard year because, you know, we were really close cousins. Like, we grew up together. And so that whole year, that was rough. I remember that because we would see each other and not talk. And then your mom would be super concerned. Be like, why aren't they talking? Because we were really going through something. Like, at that time, we were smoking a lot. We were using that. We were using cannabis to dull ourselves because when I think about that year, you know, or the years prior to that, we would have cousin time and cousin time is cannabis time. So I take it back. I was because when I was at the pharmacy, I was sober dober. So this is um, this is like right when I got back from A&M and I was, you know, I kind of I didn't. I didn't flunk out of A&M. I just, it wasn't for me at all. So I went back to community college, uh, back at home and yeah, those are my community college days and I was definitely smoking then. So yeah, yeah. We were definitely focusing ourselves at smoking separately, but yeah, but definitely still using cannabis. I remember I was using the, uh, shout out to the magic flight launch box. It was a little wooden handheld vaporizer where you stick a fucking like a double A battery on the side and you have a little glass pipe that you breathe through it, it. It's a really fucked up looking contraption, but yeah, that was my go-to vape. Now they have crazy vapes. I remember that vape. There was no smell. That's why we used it. Mm-hmm. And what was, what was it called? ABV? No, no, oh, yes. We was already ABV, ABV already been vaped. <laughs> yes. Yes. We used to smoke ABV weed. So, it was like technically not because, you know, vaping, you, it's at the point below combustion. So it would be like brownish weed and you'd smoke it and it would taste like burnt popcorn. And 
Yeah, and it would it would burn super fast because there's n- like zero moisture in it. Um, yeah, those are cheap, cheap college stoner days. Do you remember? I guess to put a, a little ribbon bow on it. Do you remember how we made up at the end of the year? Like, was it at a party or was it? How did we? How did we start talking again? Chess. Chess at your house. We 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 got so tired of not talking, and then we were upstairs at your mom's house and you were playing chess. And then I remember going up to you. I was like, cousin, I just want to talk to you. I'm so sad. And then we just played chess. And then it was, that was that. Okay. So yeah, I don't, um, I, I, it's coming back to me now. I do remember. I do. Yes. I do remember that part. I'm glad you filled that in. Yeah. I was, that part was missing. Now I feel like we needed that year and it was, nobody forced us to talk to each other. I feel like that's how it should be. When you're reconciling, it should be on your on on both parties' accords. If that makes sense. No, it did because we needed that year. We didn't know at the time we needed that year, but we needed it because we were both back home, being forced to do things that we didn't want to do. Like I feel like you were you had went back to community college because you know our family was so education centric, and even up till now i still believe college is not for everyone i wouldn't want you know if i had a kid and they were like oh i don't want i don't see myself going to college i don't want to force that person to be there because when we do that it's you know it it dulls something in us like i remember i struggled so hard my first year of college i was super depressed i thought i was doing everything right and then i flunked out the first semester and my mom was mad but like that was my first time experiencing life. So, you know, that gap year that people talk about, I think some people do need it because college is hard. It's hard if you can't focus on what one person wants you to do for the next, what, four months. And then if you want to be creative, you can't because you have to follow that, you know, syllabus of here, turn this in now when you would rather be doing something else. And so I think, you know, college for both of us, like those first years, I think that's why I relied so heavily on cannabis because it changed, you know, I wasn't, that was something that no one forced me to do. That was something I chose because everything like, you know, just think about being 18. I was 18. I was living in a dorm. I didn't know my roommates. Like it was, it was a hard thing being there. And then I was already having like body issues at that age. And that's, (laughs) that's tied into general generational trauma. Like me being inadequate with myself at that age. That's because I didn't know what the world was. I, like, I feel like I grew up so sheltered and then being on my own, you know, being able to make decisions for myself. I don't think I made great decisions, but I was able to do that without my parental help. But then when I came back home, like, it made me feel so shitty. Like, oh, oh, you're doing this. Like, why aren't you doing that? Like, like, I didn't want to be a nurse. Like, <laughs> I told that to my mom and that was like, no, like, no, you got to be a nurse. So, so when we talk, like going back to the generational trauma, I think I'm happy to always see my family. And so when we see my, like when we see our younger cousins and they're doing their thing, I'm just happy for them, like truly happy for them. Because I remember a time where you and I did not have that freedom and it was, it was a hard time. And I think that's why we did go to cannabis because it wasn't crack. 
<laughs> but it was something to like ease our minds. Yeah, I mean, taking me back to my first year at college, my first year living on my own as well. We got, I remember I had a flat, and if you're familiar with Aggie Land, it was um, on Harvey right across from the mall. And I, I mean, my cannabis use skyrocketed that year without a doubt. I would make little homemade bongs out of Voss bottles. And I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, see if you remember this do you remember taking vivance and helping me uh, study for bio do you remember me giving you i do remember that because we had made a star wars inspired or you had made a star wars inspired voss bong (laughs) and then you were telling me oh it's finals it was finals and then i was already done with whatever i was doing and i was there with you in aggieland for what was like three days and i remember taking like you had a lot of Vyvanse. <laughs> you had a lot of Vyvanse, sir. What the fuck? <laughs> but I do remember taking Vyvanse with you and, you know, writing or helping you or whatever we did. You got it done. Um, thinking back, just a slight pharmaceutical um, correction. I believe it was Concerta. So it was like, in my opinion, it's worse than Vyvanse. I, I enjoy Vyvanse quite a bit, but Concerta just like... Yeah, it took the um, it it gave you that hyper focus, but it just gave you you just but your body felt like shit, yeah. like the entire like you know anybody who's taken stimulants uh, knows there's that the come down the come down sucks, but on Concerta it felt like the whole time you're on the come down. Um, do you remember the bed bugs in my flat? Hell yeah, I still have the scars, the circular scars. Did you know that when you get bit by a bed bug, they bite you in a circle? Yeah, fun fact. But it's faded. It's faded quite a bit. But yeah, don't let bed bugs get you. You guys, that that shit was trauma. Cousin, you traumatized the shit out of me. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the people in France. I think France is going through a bed bug epidemic. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess so. Well, I mean, New Yorkers have freaking rats that are huge. So, good luck. <laughs> but yeah, back to the generational curses and traumas. I feel like. Yeah, that that year I was in in college, I was only there because, you know, I get it. My parents were trying to, quote unquote, break that generational curse like nobody had been or gone to college and successfully graduated with um, a degree. I believe my sister is going to be, at least in my family, like, you know, one of the first in our our generation to um, to be successful in that arena. Yeah, I'm so happy. I'm happy for her. I'm really happy for Lex. Like, I can't wait to see what she does. That shit's exciting. Yeah, it it just, um, it wasn't for me. Um, and I feel like... And that's okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm still definitely trying to forge my own path, um, starting over again. And, you know, you talk about anxiety and Thanksgiving, like, uh, I'm not hosting the party, but I'm definitely, um, I'm not looking forward to people asking, like about my job status because that's going to be uh that's going to be a fun conversation i never um i've always been gainfully employed and this is the first year it's like you know i get it now you know those the trope of the movie where like it's the lead character doesn't have a job and everybody gives them shit uh i feel like i'm gonna i'm gonna experience that and it's gonna i don't know perhaps uh 
instill some trauma and I'm going to pass it down to my kids. But I mean, maybe that's how, I guess that's how it works. How do you, um, how do you feel about that? Do you, do you think we could break generational curses and trauma? Does it end with us or does it, are we just part of the cycle? That's a lot of therapy. That's a shitload of therapy right there. Um, you know what? I think that when I think of our younger cousins and how they grew up, I don't think they're like us where they feel pressured to go to college, to be a outstanding member of society. Like when it, when I think about now, now that's another anxiety that I've just added to the list. I hope that people don't ask you. That's what I'm hoping. And even if they do ask you, like, here's the thing. You want to drink with me? Are you willing to break your sobriety? Well, sobriety towards, like, alcohol. Like, I feel like I'm going to drink on Thanksgiving and I'm okay with that. If, you know, if you feel a little traumatized, are you going to drink with me? No, I mean, I think two points, two reasons. I'm not much of a drinker at all. And also, I feel like... um yeah, why not? This is the one time in my life where I'm unemployed, so I mean, might as well take the heat and see. Um, yeah, why not? Why not? Um, why not take it? Uh, you know. We can prep like we can prep answers. No, fuck that. Just, I mean, I wouldn't know what to say. I wouldn't know what I would say. I, you know, I know what I would do. I'd probably say fuck this and smoke some weed. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like, you know, that's the whole point of this uh, journey, this podcast, is is finding out other ways to deal with those stressors in life. You know, will I drink? Most likely not. And um, will I smoke? 100% not. I, I'm pretty committed to that. Uh, what do we got? 10 more days left? Uh, ten more, Yeah, 10 more days. And, you know, I'm I'm still very much committed not to smoking. But... I don't know how I feel about flirting with the idea of drinking. I mean, I, I keep telling myself, yeah, but I feel so good. Like I feel so clear and I feel like I feel very productive and I don't feel the need to do those things because within this 20 days I have learned to cope. When we first started, I told you my coping skill was to smoke, but, and then, you know, the second time I was like, wait, am I, you know, working out to compensate for not smoking and now that I feel like I know it's only 20 days but it feels good like it feels good to feel sad like I always would say it's an inconvenience to me and it was only an inconvenience because I knew I can go home and smoke but now I enjoy it I'm like okay yeah I'm sad but what can I do about it like am I gonna sit here and let that steep Or am I going to get the fuck up and do something about it? And I've been getting the fuck up and doing something about it. So in terms of cannabis sobriety, I, you know what I mean? Sometimes I think I'm going to go longer and I might go longer because, you know, I was thinking about 90 days, like what happens after 60 days? How am I going to feel at the end of December? Like, am I going to feel even better? Because I'm not going to lie. There are times where I'm like, you know what? I can end this right now. I can end this right now and just, you know, spark up. But every time I think that, I'm really glad that I don't. And I'm I'm proud. Like, I don't really say I'm proud of myself, but I'm proud of that. So I don't know if you've been dealing with wanting to smoke cannabis lately. 
in all honesty, um, no. I feel like I'm going... I've already made up my mind I'm going to go uh, to the end of the year and maybe even to the end of next year. And, I mean, I, I don't even say that lightly. Um, next year, I'm going to be turning 30. And I thought of the possibility of just spending my 30s sober. The same I spent my 20s high. Um, and see see what that makes of me see what that forces me to become um I, you know i want to start out the new year sober in all honesty um you know i don't feel like i don't feel compelled anymore i don't feel the need to smoke anymore i don't even think about it it's fun because or these dreams i'm having it's it's they're pretty they're pretty vivid they're pretty intense and I forget who I think Carl Jung said it. It's like, um, yeah, like your 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 dreaming life is is almost more important than your waking life because it tell like your your dreams reveal your sub subconscious. And I'm I'm having fun exploring that. I've been having um, yeah, some pretty not only vivid dreams but also dreams that I remember. Like they don't fade away. You know how like when you dream. You have an intense dream, you wake up, and it, it, as soon as you wake up, it almost, like, evaporates. Like, you forget right away, but I'm not forgetting these dreams. And I think, like, my subconscious is telling me something. Like, I mean, not to go, I mean, I have so many dreams, but this reoccurring dream, it's it's pretty disturbing, but it's it's kind of waking me up a little bit. It's like I, I dream my teeth are falling out. Mm. And it's, it's fucked up because it's like, they're not... I don't know how you picture somebody's teeth falling out, but when my teeth fall out in my dreams, I don't let them. So they, 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 they kind of break up. They not, they don't, they don't come out as a whole tooth. Like it only, porcelain. yeah, it breaks like porcelain. And the thing is, it, it always like, yeah, it, it breaks like mid conversation or like I'm, I'm going to talk to this cute girl or something. Right. And, and they start to fall out, but I try to like try desperately to hold them in my mouth but they hurt my gums it's like you feel like like you know like a numb it's not like true pain but it's like this numb pain like oh i'm feeling pain but i you know fuck i gotta continue talking to this girl i don't know i've looked it up it's supposedly it's like you're in a vulnerable state mm -hmm. um you know but I, I think um in our culture that means yeah. that somebody you know is gonna die or at least you might die or something yeah like Death in general. Well, I, your dreams really interest me because the dreams, you know, the dreams I've been having aren't as intense, but I can remember them. And they're really weird. I don't know what they're trying to tell me because in my dreams, I've been dreaming about drugs I've never tried. So sometimes I feel like my dreams are against me. Like, what the fuck? Like, why did I just dream about that? So, yeah, I, I think that's pretty interesting that we are dreaming. And that's why I kind of do want to go into 60 days because, you know, I feel like my body is finally catching up to my mind. And there's something that, you know, someone said last week, they go like, oh, the old Christina is back. I don't understand what that means. Like, what do, what do you mean the old Christina is back? Like, did I change so drastically and or did it happen so slowly over time that I never noticed that? So I think that's interesting as well, that the old Christina is back. I mean, I'm very productive. Is that what it is? Was I very productive back then? 
I remember you saying that you went into this um, sober November wanting to find out who you were because you, you said you didn't know who you were or you didn't know what your personality was. Yeah. As, a, as an adult, I don't know who I am. Like, I started smoking at 18. That That is like core development time. That's where you develop your brain. And I think at that age, I was living in trauma. And so, you know, I don't know. I don't I don't want it. I think at that age, I thought, OK, I don't I don't want my kids to feel this way. So I didn't have the tools to deal with that. Like, I think that's also, you know, tying back to general generational trauma. We don't have coping skills like we were always told just get over it. There's no like with depression, especially in Asian cultures, a lot of times they'll say, oh, you can't be depressed. Because if you're working hard, you don't have time for that. So I don't I, I don't know. Finding out who you are like at 30 in your 30s, that's weird. Like to me, that's I missed out on something. I don't I don't know if um you need to have that you need to be hard on yourself that it's like occurring later in life. I think there's a reason that self-actualization is at the top of uh, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. I don't even know if that still holds up in the scientific community. I just learned about it in middle school, but assuming Maslow's hierarchy of needs still ex you know, is relevant scientifically. I feel like, you know, self-actualization is, uh, is the last step and yeah, who, who cares how long it takes? Um, you know, I forget who, there's like this Buddhist monk quote. It's like, you know, to live um, one day knowing peace, knowing inner peace, like Zen, or I think they say the Tao. So to live one day knowing the Tao is better than a hundred years not knowing yourself. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, a, I mean, to me, this is an exciting time, figuring out who I am at in my 30s. And when you enter 30, I hope. You know, if you're going to be sober, I hope you find what you're looking for. Because I know when I entered 30, you know, something really traumatic happened to me. And I wanted to be sober so bad. But I couldn't, I couldn't grasp. I was grasping at that time. I mean, we can talk about it. Like, it took me so long to even mention that. But we can save it for another cast. Because, you know, it's not really relevant. I mean, if you're down to talk about it, it, it might have to do with this whole generational trauma thing. If you, you know, we could edit it out, but are you, do you feel comfortable talking about it? Perhaps ending the podcast with it? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, because, you know, this is also a, to me, this is a generational trauma thing that no one wanted to talk about. And it's like miscarriaging. You know, when I, when I found out I was pregnant, I was so happy. I was elated. I was ready to change my life, like super ready to change my life, super ready to let go of cannabis and be a mom. But then when I had my miscarriage, that changed and I deep dived right back into cannabis because it comforted me. Like it comforted me to where no one like nothing humanly possible, like nothing humanly possible at that point could have comforted me. And even telling my mom that, you know, she was like, oh, it's okay. Like, no, it wasn't okay with me at that point because 
I knew she had a miscarriage before I was born or before my older brother was born. It was, it was before one of us, but she didn't realize that she, like she had forgotten that she had a miscarriage. And I remember her telling me when I was, you know, a teenager, how, Oh, you could have had a sister. And so when I asked her again, she totally forgot about that. And that can be a trauma that we never talk about because in our family, I know for sure you know, like a few members have gone through that and they don't talk about it at all because it's such a hurtful thing. And so when my mom had forgot about hers, that's like, it was a wild concept. And so I deep dived into cannabis because of that. Uh, Perhaps this is um, a stupid question, but do you think, do you think you'd ever forget about yours or is it something that, that you'll never that you'll never forget that you'll never want to forget i mean i i live with it but i also have hopes that i'll have a family like i'll have a family of my own one day when it when it was happening to me like my job didn't understand they were not they were not as caring as i thought especially for a hospital like damn like you know what i mean like where are these people and you guys couldn't even you know, give me an ounce to live on. Like I was in such a depression. That That's the wildest thing. When I think about last year and how cold people can be, like that was the worst. It really was. I was going through that emotionally. And then I felt like I had dissociated with my body because it's like, you're young. Like you're supposed to be able to have kids. And then I went through like a really bad cycle. It was like, I, I started hating on people And I'm not that kind of person that hates on other people. Like I had hate for some people. And it's like, okay, yeah. Because my mindset was like, okay, I'm, I'm good financially. I can have this kid. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not gonna let this child suffer. And then it was taken away from me. Like I was reading through my journals. It goes, um, how does it, it was like, I was somebody's mom and then I wasn't. And then when I think of like, you know, at that point, like, because this is one of the things that, you know, Asian people don't talk about, I had no one to really talk to about it. So I relied on social media and that's like really bad. Like going out for strangers to help you feel better. But I didn't go into support groups. I literally just went on my Facebook feed (laughs) and I was looking at people who weren't in a position that I am or who aren't in a position that I am. And, you know, it's one of those things. It's like, how come she can have a kid or how come she can have multiple babies and not be able to care and not be able to take care of. And then me just sitting here, you know, thinking like, okay, fuck it. I became so jaded. It was, it was really bad. Like it became to a point where I was like, okay, like, I don't want kids. Like, fuck it. If they're going to end up like, you know, how society is now. Fuck it. I don't want to bring my kid into the, you know, into this. But then at that point, I was also abusing cannabis, like really bad. Like it wasn't just flour. It was also concentrates. It was edibles. It was whatever, whatever I could get my hands on to not feel. So at that point in your life, sobriety was, was totally out of the question or did you flirt with the concept at all? It wasn't even a thought like I was in such a depression 
and I couldn't recognize that because the way we grew up, I never believed I was depressed or I knew I was depressed, but I couldn't bring myself up to it. And so I had to forgive myself. I had to be like, oh shit, like you're in a really bad state of mind and no one can pull you out besides yourself. Because after that month I was like miscarrying, I was just crying. Like it was a really bad depression. I couldn't get out of bed and people didn't know that. Like makeup does wonders. <laughs> but no, like um, now it's, you know, a year later and, you know, now it's sober November and I'm thinking about how I felt in the past year to kick off my 30s. Like that's a shitty way to start, but you know, I'm 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 glad we're doing this and I'm glad I'm able to have this self-actualization of hey, like you you just went through a trauma and no one was able to like really like you weren't able to connect. It wasn't no one was able to connect with me cuz you know, people go through miscarriages. Like what really hurt me, I think, was when I went to the doctors and I was the OBGYN and I was just crying and she goes like, "Oh, it's okay." you're still young and that shit kind of fucked me up so but I'm you know it took a lot for me to just come out and be like okay I'm okay with it like I'm okay you know I had to bargain with myself like are you okay not you know being able to have your own family and I'm okay with that so that's that sometimes I feel like it traumatized me and I'm I'm still working through it but when we think of, you know, how we talk to our next generation, I feel like we can be more comforting or like we can be more understanding because like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to say that, but I'm going to say it because I don't know if my brother will hear it. So when I had my miscarriage, I told my older brother because he has kids, right? And I was like, wow, because he would always talk about like the feeling of being a parent. And how it's like no other feeling in the world. And so when I told my brother, I was like, I think this was like maybe three months, three months after my miscarriage, I was trying to talk with my brother and I was like, I was looking at my nieces and I was like, oh my God, like that must be so great to feel that way. Like I'm, I said, I'm happy I got to feel that. And he was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I was pregnant, Adam. And then he goes like, yeah, but you didn't have the kid. And low-key, that kind of hurt my feelings. Mm. Yeah, your brother, he, he's he's a bit crass like that. And he, he kind of calls it how he sees it. But I feel like, yeah, this, it just kind of shows that, yeah, we're not equipped to, to talk about stuff like that. Maybe he, maybe he was brash like that because he didn't know what to say. Oh, yeah, no, like, I understand that. You know, like, when I talk to our family... I always have that understanding of they might say something you want, you won't like, and you have to be okay with that because when we talk with each other, it's, it's the way we grew up. Like my brother is very brash and I appreciate it because he is the older, he's the eldest and he has to be like that. So like I'm the middle, like it's like, okay, <laughs> I'm like, okay, what the fuck ever I'm going to do what I'm going to do. But when we talk, when I talk to my younger cousins, you know, I'm always listening to them because I can think of one when we were teenagers and no one really, we didn't really have, you know, our cousins, we, our age gap is so large. Like we only had ourselves, like 
And I think that's why we're such close cousins because we're such close in age. So hopefully our younger cousins won't feel like they have to hide from a lot of things. Because as we talk about generational trauma, I think of all the traumatizing things I've done to myself. And cannabis kind of was a trauma or like now that I think about it, I think it is a trauma because I relied on it so heavily. And I know I'm only 20 days in, but I don't know where this can go. Like it feels good not to have that, not to be in the grasp of something that I can't control. I mean, what what better way to end the podcast? Thank you all for tuning in and we will see you next time.